happy day Rosario Garcia with Why Jesus hoping you are having a terrific day that you are able to spend time with family and loved ones in the way that you hoped for it's been a while I've been pondering lots and thinking about many things and trying to overcome the numbness that comes inevitably to all of us or the walking zombie stage that I call it plenty of times uh, where you're feeling like you're not getting a whole lot out of your day that you're not feeling it you're just walking through the motions and uh, not finding a whole lot of purpose um, in the things that you do so I've been there for a while and I having to rethink and restructure things in my life to uh, figure things out. So having said that, before we go into it further, welcome. I'm so happy to be with you. Um, we are going through um, a manual called Come Follow Me, put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you can find a physical copy at Deseret Books. Or you can um, download the app for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and do a library search for Come Follow Me and find the week that we are on. Or you can also go to the web at lds.org and do the same library search for Come Follow Me. And this week we are going over the week of April 4th through 10 that covers the um, Old Testament book called Exodus chapters 14, 14 through 17. And today's lesson is titled Stand Still and See the Salvation of the Lord. So I've been thinking a lot about... Um, Pharaoh's heart um, and as you know previous podcasts we talked about how he just hardened his heart and what the difference between a hard heart and a soft heart um, is and um, how sometimes it's it's better for us to choose to humble ourselves and learn the lessons um, than having to be forced or compelled to humble ourselves through the things that we go through. But um, Pharaoh decided that he was too powerful um, and influential in Egypt and decided nobody's going to tell me what to do. Um, you know, who is Moses and Aaron to tell me what to do with the people of Israel who've been in bondage to Egypt for so long. And he just, it didn't matter what kind of miracle Moses was doing, it wasn't good enough because he felt like his own um, priests can do magic tricks um, that were the same until they came to a point where they they couldn't replicate what God was doing and they said so and Pharaoh still decided to uh, trick the people and say yes I'll let him go after this and he, then he wouldn't and it 
took the tenth event, and that tenth event took the life of his firstborn. And then um, he let the people of Israel go. And then uh, he decided he was too angry for everything he had that had happened and decided to chase after them. And then, um, you know, uh, these great things that happened in them chasing after them and how they were basically drowned in the Red Sea because Moses parted the Red Sea for Israel to cross on dry land and then God took care of Pharaoh's army um, by bringing the water down on them. So in any event, you know, current life, um, I don't know. It just seemed to me like Pharaoh didn't care about the fact that all of Egypt was suffering with his pride and uh, showing of power he wanted to do. I mean, those people in Egypt were wiped out. Uh, No food, uh, horrible plagues, dying of horrible things and natural uh, events happening. Uh, Holy cow, he subjected the entire people through hell. And um, I don't know about you and looking at current life, but I'm kind of feeling like our leaders are doing the same thing to us. Uh, it doesn't, we don't matter to them, it looks like, um, because they're making decisions that are uh, turning our life upside down. And in many ways, I called a lot of what's going on crimes against humanity. Um, because they feel they have the power to do whatever they want. Um, And who are we to speak otherwise? Um, And so uh, I feel like we're in the same boat. Current life and Pharaoh's era and his proud, uh, power-hungry heart uh, who just wanted to keep taxing the Israelites uh, for what they were worth uh, so that he can live the life that he wanted um, and nothing else mattered. And so welcome to modern day 2022. If it doesn't sound the same to you, I don't know what. But bottom line, here we are. What were those people, the masses doing at that time that they were seeing these great miracles. I mean, because Egypt suffered horribly because of Pharaoh, but the Israelites that were with Moses didn't go through as much as the others because um, they were trying to follow God and not a, a leader, a political leader. And so uh, they were spared in many ways, and they got to witness um, the power of God. And this lesson says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So having said that, 
we're going to go over uh, the next topics. God has the power to deliver me. The Lord can make bitter things sweet. I can trust the Lord even during difficult times. And um, I should seek daily spiritual nourishment. And um, there's some great videos here that I would not do justice in just paraphrasing what is being said there. So I'm hoping that you will stick with me and hear those. Um, I promise to just be concise on, on the topics to let you hear uh, the apostle that was inspired of the Lord to say what he said because it made total sense to me and it truly gave me a better way to understand um, how we all have a need uh, for physical and spiritual nourishment and the Israelites that were delivered from the bondage in Egypt um, were able to feel that and were needing to understand that um, because it was important so that they can stay close to God. And so I'm going to start and hopefully um, it makes sense to you. So the summary says the following. The Israelites were trapped. The Red Sea was on one side and the army of Pharaoh was advancing on the other. Their escape from Egypt, it seemed, would be short-lived. But God had a message for the Israelites that he wanted them to remember for generations. Fear ye not, the Lord shall fight for you. And that is in Exodus 14, 13 through 14. We're going to read that. And it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Since that time when God's people have needed faith and courage, they have often turned to this account of Israel's miraculous deliverance. When Nephi wanted to inspire his brothers, he said, Let us be strong like unto Moses. For he truly spake unto the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither, and our fathers came through out of captivity on dry ground. When King Limhi wanted his captive people to lift up their heads and rejoice, he reminded them of this same story. When Alma wanted to testify to his son of God's power, he also referred to this story. And when we need deliverance, when we need a little more faith, when we need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, we can remember how the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And so I am going to read that part. Um, and we, you know, so it says, 
the same one of the ones that says here we just read it and it says Moses said unto the people fear ye not and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today for the the Egyptians whom ye have seen today ye shall see them again no more forever thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore and so the next, I, I mean, I cannot even fathom um, seeing, you know, the waters divide and having water on the left and on the right and you going with all your belongings and sheep and cattle around you and physically not even understanding how that could be done, but knowing that they had a prophet, and the prophet did what God said he should do, and then they saw these great marvelous, marvelous salvation. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, I, you know, how do you dispute that? And yet, it was not good enough for the people. Unbelievable, right? So the next section says, uh, God has the power to deliver me. As you read Exodus 14, 1 through 10, imagine how the Israel, Israelites might have felt as they saw Pharaoh's army closing in. Perhaps you feel that you need a miracle to survive a difficult challenge you are facing. What do you learn from Exodus 14, 13 through 31 that can help you see God's deliverance in your life? What have you learned about the ways God provides deliverance from adversity? Ponder how you have seen his delivering power in your life. So I'm going to go to that section. And hopefully I can read it, um, you know, fast enough for you. So we read how he said, fear not, and the Lord shall fight your battles. Um, and then we're going to start on verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch it out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel and it was a cloud and darkness to them but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all that night and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind uh, I lost my place, sorry. Uh, by a strong east wind 
all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took of their chariots wheels, and they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not such as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land on the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day of the hand of the, hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians that upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And so I don't know about you, but you, I don't know. Can you imagine? I mean, how would you have been after that experience? Would you have been faithful in following what Moses said? Because you knew that he was a true prophet of God and he was truly doing God's work or would you continue murmuring I don't know um I, it just seemed like it was not good enough the people feared uh, they were so used to just fear being inflicted upon them that um they just lived by fear rather than faith even though they were seeing great miracles so the next section says God has um the Lord can make bitter things sweet it says, as you read in Exodus fifteen twenty two to 27 about Israel's journeys uh, toward the promised land, think about things in your life that have seemed bitter like the waters of Mara. Consider the following questions as you ponder these verses. How can the Lord make bitter things in your life sweet? What value have these experiences had in your life? What do verses uh, 26 and 27 suggest about how the Lord blesses us when we hearken to the his voice so if i read exodus fifteen twenty two to 25 uh, it says the following so moses brought israel from the red sea and they went out into the wilderness of shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water and when they came to mara they could not drink of the waters of mara for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. 
there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do what will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elim, where um, twelve wells of water, and threescore, and three palm trees, and they encamped there. So, I get it. When we're thirsty, we're probably, um, you know, hallucinating, uh, you know, because you're probably dehydrated and whatever not. And so I get it. But they had just seen the Red Sea part, and here they are murmuring, going, what the heck? What is, are we supposed to die here? So in any event, um, another miracle, you know, bitter waters are now turned to sweet. And so is that going to be good enough? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it is. Um, but God tells them, hey, if you give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee because I am the Lord that healeth thee. So, I mean, he just wanted us or wanted them to show faith and follow the commandments. And I guess they didn't get what following the commandments meant. And um, so they suffered more. Um, the next section, I can trust the Lord even during difficult times. So it says here, it's tempting to be critical of the Israel Israelites because they murmured or complained when their circumstances became difficult, even after everything God had done for them. But as you read Exodus, um, consider whether you have ever done the same thing. What do you learn from the Israelites' experiences that can help you murmur less and trust more completely in God? For example, what differences do you notice about the way the Israelites responded to difficulties and the way Moses responded? What do these verses teach you about God? So I just read how basically, you know, they, they were thirsty and, uh, you know, God... Uh, made that bitter water sweet and so they had something to drink but on this next section on uh, Exodus chapter 16 1 through 15 uh, listen to um, you know how Moses uh, continue to help the congregation and um, and so here's them saying you know they continued on and then it says and the children of Israel said unto them would to God that he, we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to full for we had brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger then said the Lord unto Moses behold I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out 
and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto the children of Israel, At even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we, your murmurings? Are not, um, see, sorry. Your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, Aaron spoke um, unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, at even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at the even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay around about the host, and when the dew uh, that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you this day. So they were hungry, and they wanted meat um, and bread. Because they murmured that they had left that behind in Egypt, you know, at least after a day of bondage, they can go home and uh, basically eat uh, meat and bread. And here they had nothing. So there you go. You saw or you heard that God provided quail and bread. And so literally God gave them their daily bread and they had to rely on God for physical nourish, nourishment, um, you know, for drink and food. But what about their spiritual nourishment? You think that these miracles that were happening before them would be enough to like make them, you know, weight lifters of the spirit that their spirit was so strong because of all these miracles that they were seeing but yet it wasn't so it wasn't so is this what we do you and I do I don't know but it makes me sad so it says here I should seek daily spiritual nourishment there are many spiritual lessons we can learn 
from the miracle of the manna found in Exodus 16. Notice the detailed instructions the Israelites were given about how to gather, use, and preserve manna. What do you find in these instructions that applies to you as you daily seek spiritual nourishment? So I'm going to read those verses that are specific. Um, and it says here, This is a thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it every man according to his eating in a nomer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them that this is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy sabbath unto the lord bake that which ye will bake today and see that ye will seethe and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning and they laid it up until the morning as moses bade and it did not stink neither was it there any worms therein and moses said eat that today for today is a sabbath unto the lord and today ye shall not find it in the field six days ye shall gather it but on the seventh day which is the sabbath it it in it there shall be none so god was trying to teach him hey listen you'll pick up this manna every single morning and you can only have it for that day if you try to save some of that day for the next day, it, it's going to have worms and it will stink. And many of them did just that and they had worms and it stunk. So they, whatever they saved, they could not eat the next morning. But on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, so on the sixth day, they can pick up twice as much and save that night for the Sabbath. And that would not go bad because it wasn't going to be on the field on the seventh day. And so God was trying to teach him to rest on the Sabbath day and think of all the things he had done for them that week. And some of them did and some of them didn't. And I just don't get, I don't get it. I don't get why it was so hard to follow the commandments. But apparently we do that today anyways uh why are some commandments easier to follow than others i don't know um we all are different but god was trying to teach him faith to have faith in him that he would deliver them that he would give them their daily bread and um it was just hard hard for them to get that concept of faith because they had lived by fear for so long. Uh, fear and in survival mode um, most of their life, if not all of their life. And so I think kind of that's where we are nowadays. Um, mentally and emotionally, we've been on survival mode for who knows some of us. Um, 
for a long time and some people their entire life. I don't know how they manage to do that, but I am <sighs> hoping that somehow we will all find God to be relieved and healed, like he said, um, through the daily bread that he gives us. Having said that, I am going to let you hear now. Um, well, I am going to read a scripture from the Bible on John six thirty one through 35 that kind of makes reference to that manna says our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat then jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you moses gave you not the bread from heaven but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world then said they unto him Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread. He shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give him for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus... Okay, I lost my place. Um... Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is the meat indeed, and my blood is a drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him, as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall never die. So before Jesus Christ came to earth, um, in the time of Moses, everything God was doing for them and giving them the bread, daily bread, um, and trying to strengthen their faith. Everything he was doing it because in the future, Jesus Christ was going to come and that was kind of like a representation of what Jesus Christ was going to do for all humanity that um, through the atonement, through his death for our sins, when we decided to repent and change our ways and wanting to follow the commandments, then Jesus Christ would 
become our daily bread. His sacrifice for us would become our daily bread so that we could uh, receive spiritual nourishment um, so that we can make it back to live with God our Father and Him. So it was like a representation. And so once Jesus was here on the earth, which this verse in the Bible uh, or in the New Testament says, that was Jesus speaking, saying, well, yeah, that was back in the day. Now I am here and I am your daily bread. And yeah, the Pharisees were like, this man is crazy. How can he say we're going to eat his flesh and blood? He's crazy. But, you know, they were thinking literally, not symbolically. So in any event, so this, I should seek daily spiritual nourishment is for us to nourish our spirit with the word of God so that we can have the faith that he was trying to develop in the children of Israel um, when they um, left bondage. And they couldn't get it. They didn't get it. It took them 40 years to go from Egypt to um, Canaan. Why did it take so long? Because they were not ready. They didn't have the faith. They didn't develop that faith. Literally, um, that first generation had to die um, out there because they just didn't have the faith required to get to the promised land. So I'm hoping that you and I don't have to die because we're not willing to strengthen our faith um, I'm hoping that you and I will accept Jesus Christ as our daily nourishment or daily bread and so I'm going to let you hear a couple of videos because I will not do them justice otherwise and I wanted you to hear the words from the apostle that says Jesus Christ is my spiritual rock and living water. As you heard, that's what the Israelites were asking God to feed them meat and bread and give them water. And it was all symbolic of who Jesus Christ was going to be for all of us. And so, yeah, Jesus Christ is my spiritual rock and living water. Um, and so I'm going to let you hear these um, videos. I think it's not by chance God has created us in a way that we have to have daily physical sustenance. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt lived for 40 years approximately on something called manna. They couldn't have lived from hunting and their lifestyle was such that they couldn't be planting. So they really didn't have an alternative. God was in essence providing their daily sustenance. And I think at least one of his purposes was to teach them to remember him, to think of him, to look to him, to have faith in him, that he was the source 
of their life. He did it in the way of making it a daily thing. They couldn't gather up manna and store it. It would only be good for one day. They couldn't forget who was the source of their blessing. There's a spiritual parallel in our day. We all recognize the need for physical sustenance. Hunger and thirst remind us very strongly if we forget. But the spiritual need for sustenance is equally strong. That comes not in drinking water and eating food, but in our constant daily efforts of communion with God. We ought not to think that we can go weeks and months without spiritual sustenance and not suffer and not to have a deadening influence in our spiritual life, acknowledging the reality of our need for a daily spiritual ministration or manna helps us increase in our courage to do the right thing and to serve others more than we would have if we ignored God. People sometimes think, well, those are such small things. Prayer, immersing ourselves in the scriptures, pondering, meditating, how can that really produce a significant difference in a person's life, but it does. As small as those things seem to be, as daily routine sometimes they may seem to be, these are the kinds of things that day by day transform us. I'm going to let you hear the next one. To a large extent, I believe our faith in God is a consequence or a fruit of experience. Quite a few years ago, I made a financial investment in a small business, and it began to require more to stay afloat, and still didn't do well, and then more was required, and it became a terrible economic threat. I remember having to go before the Lord with nowhere else to turn and in tears and pleading to seek for anything that he would provide in his love and wisdom. What I learned in that process was what it's like to come to a point in your life where you really have nowhere to turn but to God. And in those circumstances, one truly learns how to pray and how to receive the answers that come. Sometimes it was nothing more than a feeling that things would work out somehow. No indication of how or when, but it would be all right. Sometimes it was an idea that would make a difference. And so it became, during portions of this experience, a, a matter of getting the manna for that day, the help that could only come from him, from God, for the moment. Not the long term, just the immediate need. I think what we have to do when the pressures are there and the clouds are dark and threatening is take life a day at a time. It helps at times not to think too far ahead and just do what the day requires. Give us this day our daily bread. We're not anticipating the hardship or suffering that might be entailed. We sometimes just have to break it down to this moment, this day. And while deliverance isn't immediate and you may not see the end, still, you've got enough for today. When this began happening in my life, my prayer was, give me a miracle, you know. 
know, solve this problem. And it took a while to finally come to the point of saying, I'm content to get a daily help and let it take what time it takes, knowing that I can rely upon God. And it's been a blessing to me ever since to have had that rather harrowing experience uh, because of what it meant for my relationship with him. Maybe the greater blessing for us is to have to walk through it with him. And the last one. The bread of eternal life, the core substance that we need to become what we aspire to become is in the person of Jesus Christ. His atonement, his suffering for sin, and the resultant capacity to extend mercy. He can heal and forgive and cleanse anything. I don't think everyone realizes that when we do sin, when we turn away from God, it does something in us. And when we repent and turn to him, that effect in us is taken away. With his atonement, we become different people than we would be without it. And its power is, is infinite, truly infinite, and can reach down and, and sanctify and make holy to the uttermost any soul. There's a purpose in life far beyond living comfortably. The bread we receive is to enable us to, to act and to help and serve. Not only are we helping, but we're being blessed and helped and changed. We're not transformed, as you know, overnight. These things come in process of time and their changes are incremental. And the people don't see them until they look back, see where they are as opposed to where they were. Just as I learned not to expect immediate deliverance from a problem, he's also saying, I'm patient with your progress. I'll just help you along day by day. And all of that truly does add up to a, a dramatic change, an eternal difference. When the Israelites finally did cross the Jordan into their promised land, they were expected by God to remember him to think of him, to look to him, to have faith in him. As we turn to him each day, remember him each day, and we come to know by experience that he's real and that he does care about and love us and minister to us, just as he did the ancient Israelites, because he is the bread of life. I couldn't have paraphrase that that was just sheer perfection and that was elder d todd d todd christopherson of the 12 apostles um i have been pondering a lot about <clears throat> this section and 
Yes, I am going to voice everything that he just said. Um, basically, you know, he says, how can these little things of daily prayer and uh, scripture study uh, truly change my nature? And he says, it does. He says, same token, you can't go without God your whole life and expect goodness to come. Uh, and that is so true. I've experienced both sides. I've gone through my life growing up until about 16 years old without him. And quite honestly, I did not understand my world. I just kept thinking there's something better than this, than what I'm seeing, than what I'm being modeled. I, there's just, this can't be life. Uh, because it was so negative. I could, couldn't believe that that's what was before me was the purpose of life. And thankfully... Uh, then I was taught the gospel of Jesus Christ and that completely turned my life around 360 to where I was in darkness and I came into the light and experienced the peace the uh, knowledge that I am a child of God and that God does hear and answer my prayers, that I'm significant enough for him to show me that he cares. Essentially, I was receiving that daily bread, that drink of water, that the Israelites experienced, except I was experiencing that because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, because I was turning to him uh, through prayer and scripture study. And it's taken a long, long time. Many, um, you know, things I had to change uh, to become who I am now, but that only happened because of the atonement, because of these things that we call uh, routines that he mentioned, and accepting that God can help you day by day, and surely you know, I have not seen the miracles that the Israelites saw. I have asked them to take away certain pain and give me miracles uh, as great as the Israelites saw. And I've had the quiet, simple miracles that give me peace, that allow me to sleep well, that I don't have remorse over, um, I just, I'm able to see um, life 
at a different level than I have ever seen. And I am so grateful for that. And he's truly our daily bread. Um, the only one that can heal us and that can help us one day at a time. And I've learned to accept that some days are one day at a time. And, um, and I'm okay with that because I understand that this life is not what I'm working towards. It's the next life that I'm building. I am building a better place for me to live for eternity, not just for the whatever, you know, 80, 90 years he might give me on this earthly life. That's nothing compared to eternity. So I am thankful um, for these lessons that have allowed me to ponder and understand that as hard as things have become, I can't be distracted by the fake news or lack of real news. Um, and I can't um, be so angry at our leaders for not caring about the people um, like Pharaoh didn't care. And that I see people suffering and it just kills me to see all that people are going through and I, we can't get caught up in that. What we do need to get caught up in is living the best, um, the commandments to the best of our ability, focusing on staying closer to God than we ever had, um, because that is what's going to get us through. That is what's going to allow us to get to the promised land. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to wander, wander in the wilderness for 40 years like these Israelites did because they didn't have faith enough to get there faster. Like, I want to learn that lesson yesterday if I can. But nonetheless, I will be patient um, just as Jesus is patient with my imperfections. But understanding that he is my daily bread and that there's a reason why you and I need food every, you know, twice or three times a day because it should be a reminder that just like we need food, we also need spiritual nourishment from God. And it should serve as a reminder for us to nourish our soul through prayer, scriptures, living the commandments, serving our neighbors, and absolutely doing everything that we can to help the less fortunate. And so I... Hoping that you got something out of this lesson. I got a lot as I have thought about this for a while. 
And I think I've thought about it for a while because I saw myself not doing the daily discipline of hearing the Word of God and staying focused by doing this podcast that keeps me reading my scriptures daily and pondering them. And so it's easy to step away from those habits that you build and it's harder to come back. And I've seen how that put me in a numbing state, in a zombie state, where I just was in a vegetative state and try to make sense of my world. But that is the worst way that we can do that. The best way that we can make sense out of this horrible situation we're going through right now is to stay closer to God and accepting that Jesus Christ is our daily bread. And so with that, I am going to leave you and we're going to move on to the next lessons because they're all so fabulous. So for now, this is Rosa O. Garcia wishing you a great rest of the day and we will see you next time in Why Jesus.